welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. All right, guys, we got Jim Padilla with uh, Gain the Edge, a done-for-you provider of industry-leading sales systems and unicorn sales professionals, which he co-heads with his wife and entrepreneurial partner in crime, Cindy Padilla. And so, Jim, you and your wife have generated over a quarter billion dollars in sales for a long line of high-level visionary entrepreneurs, and y'all's mission is to help purpose-driven thought leaders untangle themselves from day-to-day minutia of seeking leads and sales for their business. That's a lot to unpack there, brother. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my, yeah, my wife and I uh, are in this business together. We've been very blessed uh, that uh, being in business together has actually been the best thing our marriage ever could have asked for. Um, mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, I feel like that would sink the ship. But uh, I'm I'm the visionary. I'm 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 the one out front. I'm market facing. She, you mm-hmm. know, I make a lot of promises. She makes them all come true. She runs our, <laughs> our teams that run that's that run the company. And uh, you know, at the core, the simplest version of this is we're a fractional sales division. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of high level you know influencers and experts come to us, and we plug and play as their sales division. So you know, we we sit we have a seat at the table. We provide strategy, insights, systems. And, and processes that lead to qualified booked appointments for the sales team. And then we plug in sales team to scale companies. Awesome. You know, that, that's very similar to what I do, um, except I do it for like AT&T, you know what I mean? In, in door-to-door sales yep. or solar, you know, on okay. the AT&T side, we do referral-based and MDUs now, but um, it, it sounds like you're, you're like a, a special operator sales organization. You know what I'm saying? You guys are like the elite operators in sales and you go in and you freaking kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> that about yeah. Right? And then we provide the sales system that fits and makes the most sense. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of times that sales system is a live event and we will move people to a live event, gotcha. fill the room, make their offers, you know, million dollar payday or whatever it is. And then we do all mm. phone follow-up on the back end and work a pipeline to, to bring people, you know, post-event into whatever offerings are on the table. And then, uh, and then we just, we build sales processes and pipelines and systems out of that. Damn. I could have used you last weekend, man. <laughs> we, uh, we went to, uh, Ryan Steuben's million dollar mastermind. Okay. I'm part of, uh, apex, uh, executives. And, uh, we ended up sponsoring the event. And so I took, you know, my solar, uh, a lot of guys from my solar division and then my MDU division. And the, the, the problem with going to an event like that is you want to be in a seat listening to the speakers. Right. You know what I mean? But in order to get your ROI from the event, at least, you know, on the, on the sales reports, you've got to be in the booth and you've got to be recruiting, you know? So our, our whole goal at that event was recruiting affiliates and salespeople. And then a secondary goal was uh, getting submissions for our uh, custom solar quotes online. And so, uh, you know, and I don't, I think we executed in terms of taking our guys to a development event and camaraderie. We all came together. We had a great time and we all worked our butts off, you know what I mean? But the leads that we brought back, you know, there weren't definitely weren't enough of them for an event that we probably spent, I don't know, 35,000 on somewhere around there. Right. And so uh, it sounds like you guys are specialists in doing 
doing things like that. So definitely going to call yeah. you next time. Yeah, for sure. You know, and we, you know, we, we also put on those events and then provide sales team at the events to enroll mm-hmm. people into whatever the offer is, you know, right. at the event. So yeah, I spent years, uh, I used to have an alarm company. I used to have ADT dealerships. Okay. So we were doing all the door-to-door stuff and everything nice. we doing with solar yeah. um, with the phone room. And, and we used to, my favorite thing to do was home shows. We did home shows and trade shows all up and down the, the West coast and love selling in that environment. That's a great place. Yeah. We're, we've got a lot to learn in that environment. Um, I've never done events in the past. You know, we've gotten offers from AT&T and DirecTV to do like ATBs, grocery stores and stuff like that. Right. I've just never been a fan of them. You know what I mean? Uh, I've always done uh, door-to-door telephone, you know, that, that type of stuff yeah. and B2B, you know, we were real heavy in B2B for a long time there. So that's definitely something I want to learn more about. Uh, and I would love to put on a building great sales teams event. So we, we, we got more to talk about. I don't want this to turn into a business call <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jim. So, uh, you've got three grandkids. I do. Is that right. Fourth on the way. Yeah. So what, so, so what's that like? My, my kids are eight, 10 and 11. How does that change things? Is, is it true what they say? Like when they're your kids, you got to raise them, but then when they're your grandkids, you just get to spoil them. Dude, it changes everything. Yeah. First of all, it changes our perspective because now I, I think much more about legacy now than I ever have. Absolutely. Right. Cause I know yeah. what's, it's not just our kids now it's our kids, kids and their kids. I'm already thinking about our grand grand, you know, great grandkids. And, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure that this world is left in a better place, which is part of my massive heart for entrepreneurs. Cause I know that for this world to be the best place that it's going to be entrepreneurs are going to be the ones to solve most of the problems. And so everybody's got to have the ability, the skill set to be able to really grow their company so they can get beyond themselves and start providing the kind of solutions that the world needs so that my grandkids and their kids will have a great place to live, you know, great place to be. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, you've got to have a mission, you got to have core values and personally, you've got to have, all right, what's my plan to leave my stamp yeah. on the world and, and, and my legacy that, that being said, you didn't, just, I didn't answer your question. You, no, no, no. <laughs> oh. you, you weren't born this way, right? No, absolutely um, not. So where would you, where would you kind of say that you started out in your, in your sales career? Was it alarm sales? Did you work for another dealership or? Uh, well, doing the alarms was my first, per, my first actual business, you know, when mm-hmm. they got a license for and pay taxes on. Right. Uh, but I've been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. I was always thinking about leverage at a young age, you know, I had mm-hmm. a paper route, I had multiple paper routes and I recruited my friends to help run them all. So I would nice. get paid, pay them. It was just about leverage. Yeah. You know, when we were in school, you'd sell those scholastic school books, uh, you know, mm-hmm. magazine subscription stuff. And I would get all my, anytime they were giving away a prize, I wanted to win that prize. And yeah. so I recruited all my friends said, look, go sell to your neighbors and to your aunts and uncles. And then they would put all those orders on my forms and then we would turn them in and I would be able to win the prize, you know? And so I've, I've learned how to business, how to, how to leverage other people's resources to grow mm. our systems and, and outcomes. And, you know, I used to do that with book reports in high school. You know, I grew up in an unfortunate environment. I was in an abused home, was in yeah. foster care at 13, was on the streets as a teenager and in jail by 19. So mm-hmm. I was on my own. I had to figure out how to, how do I influence people? How do I read the room around me to right. bend people's influence in my direction? And primarily it was so I could stay alive. But, right. you know, little did I know that as you advance that, you know, 20 years, I make millions of dollars helping other people learn how to influence and read the room and bend people's will to their direction so that they would mm-hmm. see, be, you know, because if you're not seen as a threat, people buy from you. Yeah, absolutely. Right? There's so, a, 
a post I made the other day that speaks to that. And I said, bend your world to your vision. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, or bend your world to you. Right. And, and it, it's, it's all about that. You can control, you can control everything about your life. You can architect your life as long as it doesn't infringe on anybody else's, you know what I'm saying? Right. And if it does infringe, it needs to infringe in a positive way, you know, right. in a, in a, in a, in a productive way. So you're, you're 19, you went through the system and everything. When, when did you get out? Yeah. Well, by the time I was 25, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, I had been, you know, prison twice, mm-hmm. bankrupt twice, divorced twice. I mean, then a whole life's worth of living by the time gotcha. I was 25. And, uh, and so I had, I had child support and taxes and all kinds of stuff I had to pay. And so I started recognizing that, uh, I needed something more than an hourly job. Yeah. If I was, you know, it's like the government's taking half your paychecks. I'm like, yeah. great. I, I needed to take a job that they could take half my paycheck and I could still live on the other half. So I just right. needed to be able to make more. So that's when I went, I, I went and I found a commission job selling alarms door to door. And I was like, I can make as much money as I want here and they can mm-hmm. take more, whatever they take, I can go make more. Yeah. And pretty soon I started out producing the whole office and, and then I had my, then I went and got my own dealership and started rolling from there. So I had offices in three cities and phone rooms and everything else. Badass. So what would you say was the, the reason you were so successful at, at that time? You know, because everybody thinks, yes. oh, the, the sales, you know, you're a great salesman. They say it when you're, at, you, you know, you're selling sales entertainer. They say it when you can talk to anybody and you're loud and you're fun and you make jokes, you know what I mean? But that's not necessarily always the case. So no. what, what was it for you? I, I'll tell you what, if you, you know, if you have an insane desire to win and to help mm-hmm. others. If you understand that you win more by helping more people win, and then you have an insane desire to make sure that you are coming out on top, but you know, that's a byproduct of helping other people come out on top. Then you don't need to have all the how to done. You just got to show up. You know, I, I remember we had this guy named Russ Thornton that was selling for me and he had a wife who was on disability and had all kinds of ailments and he needed benefits and he was not a good salesman. He was a former military infantry guy, just okay. no personality whatsoever. Just <laughs> yeah. a front. And, but he knew he needed to sell 22 systems a month so that we could pay for his benefits. Okay. And there were times where he would knock until midnight. He was like, I ain't going home until I sell something today. Cause he needs to sell 20. He didn't have an option. Mm-hmm. Right. He knew what his why was. He knew what he was working for and he just did it. And it was not about skill set. It was about will. You know, and so I think too many people give up too soon because they forget what it is they're actually striving for. You know, Mm -hmm. your mission for whatever you're selling or serving is about solving problems in a big way for the people that you serve. And then that has to be connected to what it is your personal mission is for you so that you're never forgetting it. You know, like I'm talking about legacy. It's like, I don't have the luxury of not building a successful empire because I want to have as much control over the future of this world as I can. Right. So it's, you know, and in that you learn some days you're the entertainer, some days you're the butt kicker, some Mm -hmm. days you're the leader, some days you're the servant. You you have to be whoever you have to be to serve the environment. So that's the skill set that's more important than learning how to actually deliver a script or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think it's enough to uh, lay down the core values and operate within them yourselves. But, you know, I just got off a call earlier that, yeah, I'm going to have to be the butt kicker. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to make sure that our company is abiding by our core values. And um, that means sometimes letting people go. Right. Yep. And so, um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. You know, obviously 
you know, you came up in the alarm sales world, which I know is an incredibly aggressive, competitive, and, um, you know, not the best world for uh, somebody that just got out of prison. It doesn't want to go back to those things, right? Because everybody around you that's in commission sales, you know, may have a record or may have those, you know, issues or something like that. And so how did you, what was kind of the, you know, besides needing to make money to um, support your kids and to pay taxes, what was the kind of click that happened that made you start? Okay. I want to, I want to be more than just a successful salesperson that takes care of his bills. You know what I'm saying? Well, for me, it, it really op- it came down to operating on significance, you know, um, mm-hmm. because of my upbringing, I didn't have a lot of significance. I, I felt at most of my first 20 years of my life, I felt pretty worthless and it was not a value driven human being. Um, and I started recognizing that the more things I do, the more accolades I get, the more acknowledgement I get, the more significance I had. So I was wired to help as many people as I could so I can get as much significance as I could. So I wanted to be a value to people. Absolutely. It is. I, you know, and and I still there, I've done tremendous amount of work in my life and I've, you know, fixed a lot of those inner wounds, but there's still a piece of me that I can't stand owing anybody, anything. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that if our, when I die, I die yeah. with you owing me that way I'm, I'm good. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and so I will do everything I can to out serve everybody and to ensure that everybody else that will owe me. Not, not that I want to collect. I want, cause I don't want to, I want to make sure that you still owe me. I want to make sure that right. I'm in your good graces all the time that you're like, man, Jim did me a solid. I owe him. Yeah. He's, he's in, that's the way I always want to feel. I want people to feel that way when they're around me. You know, I resonate with that a lot. Um, I probably didn't have it as bad as you in my childhood, but there was not a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say it, um, wanting me around in my childhood. Right. And so you get, you kind of get this, like, you know, I'm going to take on the world attitude, but it also mirrors in that, you know, I'm not going to owe anybody anything and I'm gonna do it on my own, you know? And so, uh, I had a lot of that in my twenties. And like you said, you work on yourself and then about mid thirties, hopefully you come into your own finally and you're you, you know? Right. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. So tell me about the, the, you know, and I know we're just kind of jumping forward here, but um, tell me about the anti-closer sales system. I, I saw that referenced on your website. And uh, what does that mean? Well, it really, what it comes down to is yeah, there's a lot of, you hear the term closers all the time. I mean, it's mm-hmm. part of the sales vernacular it, it's, right now. It's, it's pushed in my company. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's the, the process. Most people are, most people think they need closers and you really don't need a closer. You don't need a high-end rock star, badass closer. If you have a great offer, a really well-refined market, an ideal prospect journey that moves people predictably towards that intersection of high problem, great solution, right? And then if you build a system around that, then we actually don't recruit top 10 closers. We recruit, we recruit top 10 people. We recruit level 10 people, level seven salespeople. And then we put them in a system that ensures that they predict predictably overachieve and they win. And so we are, it's not that closers aren't, you know, aren't necessary. uh, They're not valuable. It's just, we just don't need them to be necessary. Right. If you need a closer in order to sell your product, that's probably because the product isn't as easy to sell as you think, or the offer is not as clean as you, as it could be. Right. Right. Because if you should be able to sell it without a closer, with somebody who can just push the right buttons and move the people forward. I absolutely love that. And it, it, it makes so much sense. And it, 
it's crazy that you came on after a few of the last couple of guests that I've had, um, because, um, like Anthony and, and Donnie, uh, Boyvin, I don't know if you know who that is. Um, but you know, one of the things he talks about is you don't need sales, you need business development, you know, you need, and it, it's exactly what you're saying. If you have a good system, then you don't need the best salespeople in the world. And honestly, I've operated that way for the past 10 years. You know, uh, bringing people into door to door, you're typically dealing with entry level, especially if you're not like going and recruiting from other companies or from recruiting door to door people, you're recruiting people that this is their first sales position. And so we were successful because we had a great training uh, platform in place. We had a great recruiting system. You know, we, we had these minimum standards that we maintained and we were able to, to, to execute, even though it wasn't our product, it was AT&T's product. Right. It was ADT's product. It was Vivint's product. Um, that's what we had. We had a great system. And so I'm kind of at the stage now where I've tried to, you know, cause I've, I've had a hundred plus people on my Salesforce in the past. And right. so now I'm, I've, I've been whittling that down over the last five years or so to, all right, now I want six figure earners. You know what I'm saying? And and like you said, I need like sevens in order to, to make that happen. You know, I don't need tens. Tens are going to go out and they're going to earn 200, 250, 300, right? But I need like sevens and then I can rely on sevens. You know what I'm saying? Right. The tens are typically, you know, the most Well, the reality, you know, uh, as a guy, you know, been a sales guy my whole life, Mm -hmm. um, most guys who are level 10 closers, Mm -hmm. we have sometimes like a shooting star, right? come out of the gates mean and, and roll and then something else. Oh, look at that shiny yeah, object. This exactly. is a cool opportunity. Plus we're the kind of guys that get recruited all the time. Right. So all of a sudden mm-hmm. somebody is offering you something more. It's hard yeah. to find them to, you know, to stick long-term, be loyal, stay in the mm-hmm. process, not be open to new opportunities and stuff and, and hard to manage. Right. A lot of times you got to kind of help handle your top 10 closers outside yeah. the regular team because they yeah. need some special attention, special compensations or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it takes a certain person to be able to manage those. And so a lot of yeah. times we, we get, we attract a lot of tens, we get them, but, but they're people who are of the same ilk as others. They're not showing up as I'm the closer. Show me, I'm going to show you what's up, you know? So we have a little bit of a different environment than what most people think. And, you know, and when you're building a system, that will attract them or create them more actively. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you've got a really clear offer, right? That's step one in the, in the system. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you have a compelling offer that is easy to sell. And if it's packaged well, then you don't have to do a dancing monkey show in order to make it, you know, build a conversion, exactly. right? And then, um, you know, and then having, uh, being crystal clear on who you serve, right? So you know who that ideal client, who that great offer is best suited for. So when you can match those together, then you take a lot of the creativity out of the process that the closer doesn't have to be, it isn't necessary to deliver on. Right. So knowing who to sell and what stage of the process do they need to be sold into? Right. Then it's knowing the, the importance of the core story, right? If you have a really good story, if you understand the story of these people, then you can tell their story better than they can and you can move them forward. Right. Look like with our product, you know, we, you know, we, we are selling people who are ready to scale beyond something. We're ready to get beyond themselves. They want greater significance. They want that freedom that comes from being at the mountaintop. They just don't have all the systems in the process to do it. And they're tired of trying to hire salespeople and getting themselves, you know, kicking themselves in the butt. Right. Mm-hmm. So if they want to get rid of that, we help help them generate a business that's designed to make money. You know, once you know the core story and you understand it and everybody's got one mm-hmm. and the better, if everybody understands your whole, everybody in your company should understand the core story of your ideal client. 
right? Where what's their problem? What are they trying to mm-hmm. solve? What's the new solution? What's the new what's possible for them once they solve it? Right. And right. That, that way you can tell it to them and they can go, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's what I want. And again, it helps every every part of this process just takes them away from having to be closer. So hence the anti-closer, right? And then the, you know, the other part of it is making sure that you understand clearly what's the bleeding neck problem that they're solving. Mm-hmm. Right. So like for us, you know, we help solve the bleeding neck of, of a company that isn't designed to make revenue, right? Most people's business was never designed to make money. It was designed to deliver a product and somehow they're figuring out how to make money. So oh, we come in and we help design the business to actually make money. So that generating revenue is easy and predictable and consistent, right? Which solves a whole lot of problems for people. Mm-hmm. So you got to always be clear on what is the bleeding neck problem that's being solved. So that if you have that, if people show up with that bleeding neck problem, your salespeople don't have to be ninjas to figure out how to solve their problem. Cause everybody yeah. already knows what that is. Right. And then, um, so you, if you want to interrupt, I, I just wanted to, to find out, okay. So the bleeding neck problem, and, and if I'm understanding this correctly, most business owners package their product so that it can be sold, which means they, they cut corners in terms of margins, right? And then, uh, and, and what you're saying is you come in and you look at that and you say, hey, no, you've got to increase this here. So your salesperson has a chance at success and compensation, you know what right. I mean? And then and is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, we want to make sure that it's actually attractive because, you know, like like a lot of people will sell you know, the drill in the hole is the easiest uh, analogy. Mm-hmm. So many people are selling a drill. And if you go mm-hmm. to Home Depot and say, hey, I want a drill. Most of the time they're going to be like, well, this is the Makita 5000 and this is the skill, whatever. Instead, yeah. they should be asking, what do you need? What are you going to do with the drill? What kind mm-hmm. of hole do you need? How okay. many holes do you need? How often do you need the hole? What's going to, what are you going to hang on? Are you going to look through the hole? Are you going to hang something on the hole, right? Because you want to help them solve the problem they're trying to solve. You don't want to just help them buy a drill. Yeah, just sell them the Mac Daddy package because it's the yeah. highest commission. No, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah. Too many times that's what we do. We, we, forget to, mm-hmm. uh, we, we forget to really dive into what's the problem you're trying to solve and how does this solve it? Because you might, you might think you need something that you don't actually need. And I can say, you know what? Let me steer you to this product because this is actually going to be a better solution for you because you only need to use it once. So let's not buy the, the Mac Daddy over here. Yeah, I, I preach that in my script because I, I, you know, and I tell them like you should be spending probably 75% of your pitch on qualification. So you know exactly what they need. And by the time you deliver it, it's not only what they need, but it's, it's not what it doesn't contain any of what they don't need. Right. And then that honestly creates a better sales cycle for you because they're going to end up referring you customers and stuff like that. Cause you didn't take advantage of them and sell them the, the key to 5,000, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and then, then you, you know, once you line up that with a, a quality prospect journey, right. You know, once you know who the problem person with the bleeding neck problem is, then you should also know where to find them, mm-hmm. right? So just, you, don't, you don't need to go, nobody needs to market to the world. You need to find who's the ideal person that, that you're most suited to serve. And then your prospect journey should be a very logical progression from where they are to where you're bringing them to the intersection of solving the problem. And if everything mm-hmm. you send them, whether it's a nurturing emails, whether it's a text blast, whatever you're sending, it should always be moving them forward. And it should always be a natural step for them. So when, when mm. you're, when your ideal prospect is in the prospect journey, they should always feel like, Oh, of course, this is the next step. This makes sense. Right. And too many times you're just sending them stuff because you're trying to stay top of mind, but it's right. not logical and it's not in the right sequence. And you want to, so you want to put yourself in that prospect journey. So you know, what should be the next step and when, at what time intervals. 
right? Again, all of this stuff is in service to your sales team having to do less creative, crazy work. The more you can keep them on the path, the better. Because what you want them, where you want them to be creative is in how they deal with people, not in how they sell stuff. Right. How they overcome. Totally. Yeah. How they overcome objections, stuff like that, or not having objections in the first place because you, you, uh, dealt with them early on in the qualification process. Right. A hundred percent. I love what you're saying because it, it is a, um, polished way. You know, everything that you're saying is very, is, is very polished. Obviously you've been doing this a long time. Um, but I go back to in, in my head, it's like, I, I would take AT&T's offer. You know what I mean? They would have six packages here right. and I would get rid of three of them. And then I would structure the other three to, uh, you know, the, the high-end package, the mid-range package and like, Hey, I just need to watch the news. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and I would structure those in there and then, um, I would only let the guys offer those, you know what I mean? And right. they wouldn't get paid commission on anything else. And that's, that, and that's how you steered in the right direction. Right. And then if we'd have quality issues, I get rid of the bottom package and I'd only let them offer the top two or only selling quality, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And so that would, that would make it incredibly easy for them. And then pricing wise, it would make it easy for them too. And then on the back end, the comp plan is always super simple. You know what I mean? So they can add up their commission in, in their head and they don't have to sit here and do calculus in order to understand what they're getting paid. And right. then when they're the same thing, when they payroll's ready, they're checked, they can, everything's simple and simplified. You know, the easier you can make the whole sales experience for them, the better. And then you're absolutely right on the business development side, the easier and more natural you can make the, the prospects progression, the better for them on, on that side too. It's all about removing those roadblocks and stuff like that. So I, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's, it's kind of cultural, but here's like the biggest solution. Somebody asked me a question on this on an interview the other day. Um, they said, what is the number one thing that people mess up in the sales process? And I said, it's assuming that salespeople are willing to do things you're not right. If, if you're not willing to do it, why would you expect a salesperson to do it? Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you want to hire salespeople because you're trying to leverage yourself. And so you're doing some, you want them to do something that you're no longer going to do, but you right. don't want them to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do. Right. So if you say, Hey, here's my leads, just call through them. Well, are you going to call through them? Why would you, you know, yeah. is there a system, is there a process, is there a weighted average? Is there something that you can deliver? Yeah. Here's a thousand leads. Which are the hundred I could, should call first and why, right. It's like, at least put yourself in the process that if you would be willing to do it, like, mm-hmm. what if your salespeople don't show up that day? Are you willing to jump in and follow the same process you've laid out for them? If not, yeah. then it's a shitty process. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're expecting them just to come up with it all on their own. You got to right. give them the step one, step two, step three, and if cool. and or, and all that stuff. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that. So what is, uh, what's next for you guys over at, uh, or you know what, a, a better question for my listeners, because this is, this is a big question that always comes up with my clients and I, and I do more like one-on-one consulting, you know, this, this okay. business owner owns a construction company. He's got one salesperson and he wants to hire another, you know, yeah. that that's my client. Right. And, um, they are in the early stages of developing their culture a lot of times. And so on the sales side, speaking to that specifically, and it, and it all bleeds into the company culture as a whole. Yeah what are some of the things that you've done to develop 
good culture, whether it's a company you're consulting for, you're building out a sales program for, or your business uh, with ADT in the past, what are those consistent things you always do that, that retain uh, people because there is a good culture? Yeah. You know, that's a, that's such a great question and super important. I think it's, it's one of those things that gets said a lot so much that people overlook it. And when we're building sales teams, you know, we have a 500 salespeople in our network. And mm-hmm. when we're, when we're selling for a specific campaign, we're recruiting for values, culture, character traits, right? We want this to feel like the right fit. You know, like when people say, mm-hmm. Oh, he could sell anything to anybody. I don't agree with that. Some people are great at selling physical products. Some people are great at selling technology. Some people are great at selling spiritual products. It's like, Mm. what are you connected to? Um, When you have a real clear value, then if you know what your core values are, then your philosophy can come from that. Your philosophy births your strategies, right? Your strategy. Like right now we sell a lot of coaching clients stuff and there's a lot of, there's a lot of spiritual essence to that. So we have a yeah. lot of female, we're very female heavy sales team um, right now. Mm-hmm. When I had my alarm company, I had almost all guys yeah. and it was all either ex-cons, ex-athletes or ex-military. And it was mm-hmm. all guys that just, they wanted to compete. They wanted to crush it. They, you know, they were going to be outside yeah. in 120 degree weather, knocking yeah. on doors. They're going to be outside in the rain, knocking on doors. They needed to love the culture and want to run through walls. Right those guys would never be, you know, I can't say never, but they wouldn't, those wouldn't be the guys I'd be recruiting to sell spiritual packaging, (laughs) coaching. Right. So you want to make sure what is the culture you want? Do you want to, do you want to be the world dominators? Do you want to be the greatest service force in the industry? You know, right now we're known as the, as the, you know, most loved and well-respected sales, uh, you know, sales performers in the industry. And we have a Mm -hmm. team of heart centered sales army. Right. And so, because that's important to our clients. So they mm-hmm. need to know we have people who care in that matter. Right. And I think if you don't do that, then you're always going to be trying to match people up in a, you're going to have a lot of square peg round hole situations. You need to know what people are in for. And I don't care what they're in it for. You just need to make sure that you can identify it. Right. There's right. nothing wrong with some people who just want to make money. If that's, that's cool. Then you're only going to be on certain campaigns of ours. Cause most of our clients want people who right. want to do more than make money on, on transactional product campaigns Correct. on, you know, products that you don't have to go too deep on. Exactly. You know, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I believe in that a lot. I did a video a while back. I did a reel about the, one of the easiest hacks to being a good salesperson and it's believe in your product. Yes. Like if you don't believe, you know, we used to sell so much stuff we didn't believe in, you know, and, and that's when you need the high level closer. That's when you need all these, you know, sales 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 strategies and stuff like that. But if you believe in your product, you're a user of your product. You, you, there's a mission behind your product. It just comes out of you. You know what I mean? And, and the the prospect can feel that and it's an energy transfer and you're transferring that positive energy to them. And they get, they get caught up in that and often, you know, buy on impulse because of it, you know what I'm saying? And then as long as you have a good sales development in place, you make sure that they're taken care of on the back end and that you assure them of that decision along the way. Um, But that's something that happens so easily and naturally that you you almost don't have to train on it if they believe in that product. And that's one of the first things you should do. You guys guys will go out of their way Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're prepared to sell it if they love what they're selling. So you'll do less of the work. You know, that's our last pillar of our uh, anti-closer sales system is you got to give them something to fight for. So if they Mm -hmm. all know that we're fighting to overcome, like with ADT, it's like we're we're, we're protecting. They actually felt like they were the the warriors and the protectors of the neighborhood. 
Yeah, are, no right. So there's, yeah. there was something they were fighting for, you know, whereas now we're fighting for, um, you know, no limits. We're fighting for world changers to be able to step up and really step into powerful opportunities to change the world mm-hmm. at scale because we can help them take their product to market in ways they never thought of, right? But if you don't know what you're standing for, what they're fighting for, um, then they're missing a huge component of the sales process because when you're fighting for that, you can help the client buy into it. You can help the prospect buy into it and make a massive difference. Absolutely. One of the things that we established must have been about two years ago was our mission statement, which is we help each other achieve freedom. Hmm. Freedom, obviously financial freedom, freedom of faith, freedom of time, you know? And uh, so that is kind of what we're going out and fighting for every day, you know, and it's freedom. It's freedom for the individual salesperson. And then it's freedom for the consumer too, especially on the solar side, because uh, they're free from rising energy prices, right? They get to lock it in for 25 years, whatever the case is. And you actually have a mission behind that too. And then of course, don't even get me started on going green, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, and being able to uh, take yourself off the grid that way. But, um, with battery backups and everything. No, uh, the mission is huge and giving them something to fight for. I, I love the last piece of that, that system. So, so what is next for, for gain the edge? What is next for you guys? What are you guys after? Um, well, we're, we're just, we're really on a mission right now just to be, to really set the standard. Um, we're not looking to be the biggest sales mm-hmm. uh, organization, but the gold standard. We want people to know that, you know, if you, if you want to start hiring sales teams that you need a sales team ready certified mm-hmm. team to be able to do it, someone that's got a system and a process and everything in place. So, you know, we've got, we have a big event coming up in October that um, we're, we're helping people design that sales system so they can get, be ready for sales teams. And okay. then we've got a book, magazine, podcast, everything else is all coming out right now as well. So that that's big movement initiative for us. So we can really help people get, you know, if you really want to sell and scale what you do, then mm-hmm. you have to do the dirty work first of becoming sales team ready. You got to make sure that you've got the systems and the processes in place that allow you to get out of the way. Right? We're not here to optimize the salesperson. We're here to remove them from the sales process. We want to remove the, the founder and the experts out of the way so that sales team can do what they're designed to do. Absolutely. And that's going to free them up to be the visionary, like you said earlier. Amen. That's huge. Uh, so when is that event again? Say in October? That's coming up in October. Yeah. And where's that, where's that going to be? Is that going to be in Tennessee? It's virtual. We were, okay. we're going, we're broadcasting from a studio here in okay. Nashville and yeah, so it'll be virtual with some, some opportunities for people to be in, in theater and studio with us. Okay. And then do they just go to gain the edge.com or where's the. Yeah. Let me right actually, I'll, if, uh, let me give you a quick way for you guys to, for people to engage. If, mm-hmm. uh, if I can indulge you for a minute, everybody sure. can pick up your cell phone. Grab your cell phone wherever you are. I'm assuming a lot of you might be listening on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, open up a, bros- a browser, whatever it is, Safari, Chrome, Google, um, and then type in your browser, jimp360.com, J-I-M-P. That's me and my last name initial, jimp360.com, right? And when that comes up, right, you should have it there. Um, then right on, there's a contact button right on the top. If you can do mm-hmm. it on your desktop or on your phone, oh, nice. click on the contact button. And it should open up all the ways to contact me. Now, this is a cool site because what it does is you can find me on all my social medias, all our websites, all the stuff that we Mm -hmm. do, but don't do any of that stuff right now. Just look for the contact button, click on it. And their top button there says, send a text, click on send text, shoot me your first name, your last name. And 
uh, and say sales, and I'm going to send you uh, a presentation, some some insight on mm-hmm. how to five X your phone sales with follow up, right? How to five nice. X your sales with phone follow up, and um, we'll you know uh, we'll engage you and, and and send you information about our event. Awesome. And um, and Doug, I'd love to invite you to our event as a as a guest as well. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. Now this is uh, you made it easy. Yeah, like I said earlier. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great tool, and yeah, we'll. If if you missed any of that, we'll include it in the in the show notes. Don't stop with yeah. your don't stop driving and pull over. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you feel like you need to, go ahead. But yeah. we'll definitely include that in in the show notes. Um, and uh, all your contacts info yeah. isn't on there and everything. I'm guessing Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yeah, all that good all stuff. We'll we'll include that as well. Well, awesome. Um, got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. The legacy piece. What is your vision for your legacy? Uh, well, our legacy here is to create opportunities for the future. That's our mission. And so mm-hmm. we are, we actually have a, a real big vision of, of uh, buying a, a city. We want to create, build a city called Opportunity City. And okay. that city is, is literally, it, it's, it's so that there's nothing but opportunity to solve problems and serve. Mm-hmm. We create opportunities. We want people who want to solve problems for people to have unlimited resources to be able to do it. And then, okay. and, you know, and it's the city where there's no politicians, there's no, you know, there's no elected officials. There's mm-hmm. just people who are all about solving problems, They're not about people who are, who are trying to, you know, shove their agendas on people. Is and, this a real physical city or yeah. is this a metaphorical city? Absolutely. No, hundred percent physical. City. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's what we're working towards right now where we're building we we want to build our own city whether it's going to be you know location is irrelevant we'll we'll have Mm -hmm. whether it be in america or not yeah but um, but our legacy is that you know we want to build we want to build a culture and a community where everybody is focused on solving problems and creating opportunities for other and so that way you know your kids your grandkids right Mm -hmm. the future there's people who don't want to get caught up in the system and just want to stay focused on solving problems for the world because no matter what happens as technology goes and as as the world changes all it's Mm -hmm. going to do is continue to create more problems that need to be solved and we need people who are focused on that versus what's happening on wall street versus what's happening in washington dc right it's like we want to make sure that we're structured and designed for people to win and create opportunities for for other people. So that's, that's the legacy for me. That's what we're working towards. That's, you know, I don't see myself ever retiring because there is no such thing for an entrepreneur. Right. It's yeah. always working towards that. No, I couldn't agree more. And that's a uh, original, it's very original um, opportunity city. I'm excited to see some progress on that. Yeah. That is uh, definitely interesting. And I'm guessing it would be funded by the residents. Absolutely. Funded by, yeah. absolutely. By, by people who need the solutions mm-hmm. and people who provide the solutions. And, you know? and then obviously it's something that I can't do on my own. So it's, we're bringing mm-hmm. as many entrepreneurs and partners and people involved as possible. And I'm curious because I'm such a, like a tactical person and I'm already thinking of like how this thing would be ran. Um, like, would you have a governing body? Cause that's where, that's where the issues usually take place is in the governing right. body, corruption, you know, money. Correct all that stuff. So exactly. I guess we're going to eliminate the term politician. Let's put it that way. There will okay. be leaders. There'll be people, but just like in the Bible, right? Jesus came to be service. If you want to be the greatest, you must be willing to be the least. And mm-hmm. you have to look and humbly see others as greater than yourselves. If you want mm-hmm. to be the greatest leader of all, right? So the people who will be the leaders were the ones who will be naturally in the leadership position because they serve the most people, right? So I love that. You, you elevate by default by serving others. I love it. 
All right, Jen. Well, this has been a, an absolute pleasure. And what I love about it is two things. And a lot of my best guests do this. Uh, you gave us some incredibly tactical advice and uh, ways to execute on our business and the business development side and um, going after those uh, level seven salespeople versus the level 10, because we all think we want the level 10, you know what I mean? But we should just be really working on our business and then letting the level seven execute in the business. And then uh, your legacy, man, that's that's really cool and original. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that play out because yeah. I, I know that you're a man of action. So we're going to see that play out here very soon. So right on. Any, anything else you'd like to wrap up with? No, man, I just appreciate, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share deserve people. And, and I will remind everybody who's listening right now that all the stuff we're talking about, this crazy pie in the sky stuff and all this other, all these other things, the only people who actually make significant change in the world are the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can. You need to start thinking that you can start taking some crazy risks, calculated risks. There's never been a better time in the history of the world to literally 10x your business, scale your business than right now. Technology is easier and more available than ever. And we are in a world that's got a lot of upheaval. Upheaval brings opportunity. And those who have the ability to take advantage of these opportunities to, you know, there's basically a, a wave that's coming through the world right now. And that wave is either going to destroy some people who are ready to be a victim or for the people who can ride that wave, you're going to ride to new levels of success. You just got to choose which one you're going to be. So and go out there and get it done. And we'll close with that. Let's get building. Thanks so uh -huh. much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.